Hello and welcome to Stoppage Time, the brand new football podcast from Surrey FA, brought to you by Capital Content. Today we are joined by Scott Guyatt, who is the Head of Sports Science at Crystal Palace Football Club. Scott has a background in sports science, which we'll talk to us about later. Um, but as we know, sports science took off a number of years ago in a well-publicised way, with Premier League managers like Sir Alex Ferguson and Sam Allardyce publicly talking about the benefits of this and how it's now become commonplace in the game and now we really don't know any different. Um, Scott, welcome and, and thanks for joining us on the Surrey FA Stoppage Time podcast. Just on that piece there around sports science, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your role at Palace as head of sports science, how you got into the role um, as, a, as a head of sports science. You know, what is it? What does it mean? And, and kind of what, what do you do in, in that respect? Yeah. Hi, Mike. Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah. Sports science has, has become a massive part now um, of football, um, and uh, it's grown and grown and grown over the last twenty years. I think um, where where before it was probably only, or you only really ever saw it at, at sort of elite clubs, top clubs. Um, I think you see it filtering down now to a lot of the lower league clubs um, and and some of the semi professional clubs. So it's it's great for the industry. Um, you see more and more young sports science stud students coming out of university now. I think universities, well, there's certainly a lot more universities offering you know sports science degrees now. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know it's been a huge part of, um, of of football for the last 20 years. I I sort of came about it um, not by accident, but it was more it was sort of born out of frustration really. Um, I was sort of coming to the end of my career. I, I had a career in football for about 12 years in Leagues 1 and League 2. Um, and as I was getting older, um, I started to realise that there were a lot of things I, I couldn't do that well physically. I wasn't a particularly quick player. Um, I was, you know, I, I would often sort of find games really, really tough towards the end of my career. So I started to sort of do a little bit of reading and, and take a little bit of interest in in strength and conditioning and, and nutrition and things like that to see if it would make any difference. Um, and uh, I, I started a sports science degree while I was actually playing for Yeovil Town. Um, at the time, it was, a, it was a distance learning degree. Um, and I think it was one of the first of its kind at the time. I think it was on the first mm -hmm. cohort of, of, of students to do it. Um, and um, yeah, as, as I sort of progressed through the course, I just become more and more interested in it and, and, and found it almost becoming um, more of a focus than, than, than my actual playing career. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that was sort of the route I took. Um, I mean, I never set out to be a sports scientist. I, I always sort of saw it as something that could work alongside my coaching. I always felt I wanted to, to move into coaching. Um, and I'm, I'm doing my coaching qualifications now. Um, but I always thought sports science could could work alongside that. So, um, so that's how I came about it, really. That's brilliant. Really, really interesting background and quite honest, because there'll be a lot of, as you said, young people listening to this that have, you know, sports science as an industry is so well evolved that they'll be coming into this with full on intentions of working in, in sports science. Whereas obviously during your playing career, sports science as a discipline started to develop, I suppose. And you know, interesting that you used your own personal interest and personal experience as a player to um, to kind of start to, to nudge towards it. And I suppose there's some lessons there about 
being genuinely passionate and interested in the, the topic that you want to pursue in, in football. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about your role as head of sports science and kind of what what the you know the, the main duties are of the role, what what you kind of do. You know, from from my understanding, knowing you, you're working with the first team at Crystal Palace and on a day-to-day basis and supporting the players with their prep match day preparation and of course rehab to a certain extent from injury. But I suppose don't suppose you could give us a bit more of a detailed breakdown on you know your day-to-day role at Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean my, my role, I've been at Crystal Palace now for, for 10 years and my role uh, has changed immensely in that time. When I first went in at Palace, um, I think there was there was only myself. Uh, I had a young intern with me at the time and, and, and a couple of physios. Um, uh, our department has grown uh, a lot over the years. We've had sort of, we've just confirmed our eighth year in the Premier League. And obviously with that, um, you get the luxury of more staff, um, more experts in their field. Um, so it has it has changed slightly. Um, I mean, primarily my role is, is overseeing um, the, the, the fit players. Okay. So uh, we, we, whereas before I would sort of oversee the fit players, the injured players, the strength and conditioning and all that type of thing, that's a, it's a little bit more diluted now, uh, purely because we've got staff to, to oversee those areas. Um, my role pretty much um, is about planning and, and preparing the players for the weekend. Um, that's pretty much what it comes down to. So the planning of training, how we structure training, um, you know, h- how we deal with things like uh, you know, a, a three-game week. How we deal with the coronavirus, as as an example. Um, how we deal with with away travel. Um, all those types of things, really. Um, and and just making sure that you know the manager has as many fit players as possible to to pick on the weekend. That's brilliant. Really insightful and obviously a really interesting job. Um, which I'm sure many people listening to this would would want to you know want to have a similar role to yourself. I suppose one of the challenges in the Premier League is being able to prepare players for those games, as you've said, you know, that's your remit. But the games fluctuate in kickoff times and whether it's, you know, Saturday, Sunday, midweek. And of course, that was uh, heightened with the, the nine game period that we had after lockdown to complete the Premier League season, where games were all over the place every day of the week almost. How do you prepare players for such a sort of varied schedule um how do you get the match ready uh, i think you know there's been some well publicized stuff on liverpool recently around you know their their very sort of varied approach and that trent alexander arnold and uh, alex roberts would would robertson would have different programs to say jordan henderson um in terms of preparing them for the weekend i don't suppose you could give our listeners a, a bit of detail about how you would manage the sort of varieties of, of a league such as the premier league and how you can prepare players yeah, I mean, the coronavirus was was a really difficult period because, like you say, you know, the games were coming thick and fast. And, you know, you would have some periods where there was a, you know, a four-day break between games. Uh, some days there was a two two game, uh, two days before between games. So um, it it was quite difficult. Um, we, we've, we found it a lot tougher, I think. You know, we've got an, an older squad of players, so it certainly took the toll on them. Um I think the key, the key thing, you know, in those situations when you have got so many games in such a short space of time, um, is that the 
the players that are playing regularly, they kind of look after themselves. There's not much you can do. I mean, we, we didn't do an awful lot of training during during the COVID period, simply because the games were coming thick and fast. Mm-hmm. But w- w- what is really important is that you're maintaining those levels for the lads that aren't getting much game time. And that and that's very similar throughout the season. I think if you if you were to look at our season this year, for example, we we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup quite early. We got knocked out of the FA Cup quite early. Um, so what we found was that a lot of our squad players that weren't playing weren't really getting any game time. So we had to try and find opportunities for them to get to get game minutes. Um, it's okay to be training every week or every day. Um, but it, it's also really important that, that players don't go too long without getting um, the opportunity to play against you know, different opposition, you know, preparing themselves for games, you know, playing an, an actual an 11 v 11. Um, so that, that, that was a big challenge for us this year. Um, so we had to try and do that through under 23s games. Um, yeah. Now that will improve this year because we've, I think we've just secured uh, Cat One uh, Academy at Crystal Palace. So, that, so the quality of opposition will be a lot better this year. Um, and, and, and also um, during international breaks as well, trying to organise games during international breaks where uh, those those players that weren't getting minutes or haven't got many minutes would get the would get would get an opportunity so um i think very often you know my my sort of position it's very easy to to manage those players that are playing every week the difficult ones are the ones that aren't playing because if they good if they do get called upon to come into the squad usually it's for a it's for a you know a three or four game run uh, due to injury or suspension to someone else um, so you really have to work hard to make sure that those players are where, where they need to be in order to be able to compete. That's a really good point. And often something that I think people that follow football don't necessarily consider um, is those sort of wider squad type players that you know aren't necessarily the first ones on the team sheet, but still have a really important role to play. And yeah. of course, they've got to be ready to come off the bench or start a game with short notice and be physically ready. And that's a, that's a really interesting point. Mm. Um Obviously, we at Surrey FA, we're, we're, you know, the governing body for grassroots football in Surrey. And uh, at the time of recording this, we've just had some FA guidance come out in line with government that, that effectively football can restart, which everyone's very excited about at, at grassroots level, especially after having watched the, the lockdown period um, of Premier League games, the last nine games. And I know you guys are on a short break now before you inevitably begin a, a pre-season again ahead of the Premier League starting in September. So I just wanted to explore the subject of pre-season with you. Um, what does that normally look like for, for Crystal Palace? And I suppose maybe what, what might it look like this year? Because I suspect it will look different this year than it does on, on traditional years. But yeah, I wondered if you could talk to us about the, the pre-season programme at the club. Yeah, so um, usually we have a, a six-week period of pre-season. Uh, and that is usually on the back of a six-week break for the players. Um so um, we, we've had the, the same manager, I think, for the last three pre-seasons. Uh, so we've, we've managed to get a little bit of consistency in there. Um, because a lot of managers will change how they do pre-season. Uh, but, but one of the things, or there's a few things that, that we try and ensure happen during pre-season. Um, one is that we have um, a good quality of opposition for our friendly games. Okay. Um, friendly games are really, really important. Uh, probably more important than I originally thought when I first come into the job. Um, 
you know, speaking to players, you know, one to one, they they like they like to go into the, the beginning of the season knowing that they played enough games. So, for example, we try and get uh, a minimum of four hundred minutes of of game time of okay. in, in, into players before they start. Um, obviously, that will be different this year because we've we've got a shorter preseason, four weeks. Um, so we're going to have to do some calculations and try and work out, you know, just how we're going to get the maximum number of minutes into into players as we possibly can. Um, the other thing that we try and look for is consistency. So we will set out our, our preseason training in the same format as as what we do in season. Okay. So there's no point, well, I, I don't think there is, there's no point in, in asking a player to come back in after six weeks off sitting on sitting in um, you know on the beach on, on holiday and asking them to do, you know, to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, because they don't do it in season. Um, and they're and they're and they're probably at their least fit stage, you know, in terms of their physical preparedness. So um, we we try and mirror what we do in season. We 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 train a very traditional way. We train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday. So we will try and ensure that we follow those patterns in pre-season as well. Um, so they were that, they're the two key things for me. Um, and on top of that, I would probably say a real emphasis on on our strength and conditioning. So ensuring that players are, are coming back and they're strong. So we give them a, we give them a program to do when when they're away. Um, I don't know, you know, what the compliance is like on that. Uh, we we try and make regular contact with the players during that six week downtime just to make sure they are doing it. But um, when they do come back, we we put a big emphasis on our on our SSC on our gym work because it is really really important. Is that um, and I know that's a really interesting point as well around the gym work because often again players in football and well fans in football I should say assume that players spend the majority of the time their time running um, and often you'll see you know back in the day that the bleep test and all this kind of stuff in pre-season people people running a lot um, you, you know you mentioned gym work. Is that something that is consistent in a football, you know, in a professional players program across the season nowadays? Do they do they all spend much time in the gym as well as time out on the grass, inevitably running and, and playing the sport? Well, I think I think clubs vary, Mike. I mean, some have you know um, really big sort of SNC philosophies. We, we certainly do. Um, some clubs don't. That's not to say that it's it's right or wrong. Um, mm. It's just the way we 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 like to work. You know, we sign players from other clubs um, and we sort of, you know, let them know that we do gym Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays and that they can't quite believe that we do three gym sessions a week. But yeah. um, we do, we believe in it. Um, I know there are other clubs that, that, that follow the same sort of pattern as well. Um, but it is something that, that, that is followed through in season as well. Um okay. So, you know, a lot of the pre-season, certainly the first sort of six weeks, seven weeks, it's it's very difficult to, to balance your SSC work with your pitch work because you often find if, if lads haven't done too much gym work, they become, you know, very sore from from doing it. So we have to we have to be very progressive with it. In the same way we have to be quite progressive with our with our pitch loads as well. So, you know, we don't try and go out there on the first two days and you know, have lads doing 4K runs, 5K runs or anything like that in in the same way that we don't get lads back in the gym on the first day 
trying to squat 100 kilograms. Yeah. Um, so there's there's progression to it, uh, and we've been doing it for a number of years now. So we've we've sort of got a program in place that we're quite confident works. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yeah, the the, the SNC is is both sort of as important in pre-season as it is in season. Yeah, and I suppose there. I'm, I'm assuming here, obviously, that there's a big link between some of that strength and conditioning work you believe in the gym and the, I guess, um, avoidance of injuries and trying to keep players fit. Is there is there a correlation? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of research out there, um, you know, to suggest that strong athletes, um, you know, tend to perform better, uh, run quicker, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean... It's it's important. Obviously, we we've, we've got a, a like I said before, we've got an older squad, um, so you know sometimes we have to be a little bit careful with how we load them on the pitch, and sometimes you know the strength work um, is a little bit safer. Um, but like I say, you know, it's it's a, it's a club wide policy. All our under twenty threes, under eighteens, they're um, they're doing gym gym sessions as well. So um, yeah, right right the way through the club. Okay, no, brilliant, really interested and. I guess the final sort of question for us on, on here would just be around um, your advice to grassroots players. So as we, we spoke about prior to recording, you know, the types of people that might be listening to this, we could have some semi-professional players listening to this that are about to go through pre-season for their clubs in, in non-league football. Um, we could also have players from traditional Sunday morning type of football. How would you, um, you know, what would be your advice to those amateur semi-professional players um, of, of things that they should consider in regards to trying to get themselves fit for pre-season for their clubs? Obviously, you mentioned there around gym work, pitch work. Is there anything else, nutrition, etc.? What would be your advice to that that market of footballer? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I think um, I would suggest to, to, to any sort of semi-professional footballer, um, and, and this is, you know, really off the back of, of my experience. You know, I, I used to use my six weeks... Um, as an opportunity to, to sort of just rest. And um, looking back now, it was a mistake. I think uh, during that six week period, it's really, really important that you continue to, to do some work, to do some physical activity. Um, and not necessarily in the first two weeks, I think the first two weeks, no problem. But as you get closer and closer to that return date, it's really, really important that you build yourself in um, because I'm, I made the mistake a number of times of actually not, not doing anything um, and then coming back on that first day, second day. And back then, you know, we, did, we didn't really have, you know, uh, much sports science support. So it was it was all about, you know, straight into it, running. And, you know, I couldn't walk, walk for three or four days. And, you know, I picked up a number of injuries in pre-season on the back of, you know, poorly planned pre-seasons and the fact that I just hadn't prepared myself, hadn't done any, you know, strength and conditioning work over the summer. Um, and it probably cost me now. So, you know, my advice would be to, you know, when you stop playing in that in that off season, to continue doing your work. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be as structured as what it is in season. But just continue to to, to keep working. Um, that would be my my, my biggest advice um, because I, I think it's so important that um, you know when you come back into into preseason that first game because a lot of clubs now they're all the same, Mike, and that. You know, the balls are out on the first day. Yeah. You know, there's there's no opportunity really to just to fill yourself in. It, it's straight into it. We have a very limited time, usually six weeks, even shorter this 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 season with four weeks. 
So you're trying to squeeze as much as you possibly can into a very, very short period. Um, and the games, the games come thick and fast. So um, my advice would be just to just to make sure maybe two weeks out of that return date that you're out on the pitch doing some work. No, that's brilliant. I think that's something that the, the guys listening to this and, and girls listening to this will, will appreciate that kind of, yes, there's a time for a break and that is probably a good thing, one would assume, to let your body rest for a period of time. As you said, that if it's a six weeks break, then you know a couple of weeks rest isn't, is, a, is a good thing. But then to start building building yourself back up um, and get physically active, how would you um, would you recommend any particular type of activity they start to do as they as they build back up? You know, I'm thinking of people listening to this that you know probably would be would be obviously training on their own. I'm sure would would, would like maybe have access to a gym, would obviously have access to public space and parks and stuff. Is there any particular type of work you you would expect them to start doing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the strength and conditioning work in a gym, really, really important. Lower body work, uh, I think, is really, really important. So squatting, lunging, those types of things are really important. Yeah. Um, in terms of pitch work, one of the things I found, you know, from the uh, coronavirus period when we were having to do a lot of individual work with players, um, if they can, if they can work in, in a small group, I think that always helps you. Yeah. Um, it motivates you a little bit. Um, and, and take a watch with you and, and, and time your runs and, and, and time your rest periods. One of the things I found when we come back for, for, from coronavirus was that we'd asked the lads to do these, these particular runs in, in the, in the uh, sort of downtime in the lockdown period. Um, and I'm sure they did them, but very often they would do them on their own. Um, and they, didn't, they, they weren't being monitored. So they, didn't, they, they, weren't, you know, they weren't timing themselves trying to get from A to B and they weren't timing the rest period. So um, if you can have a look for some runs online, there's plenty of you know there's there's plenty of um, stuff online that you can find on social media now. But but take someone down with you, get them to time you, um, get them to time your rest periods, because uh, you know when when the boys came back from from lockdown, they 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 found some of the runs we did really really hard, and they were the same runs that that we gave them to do in the in in the lockdown period anyway. It's just that they were just a little bit more structured. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think, you know, once you start measuring yourself on and timing yourself and timing your rest periods, you'll be able to start seeing, you know, some improvement um, yeah. and then start, you know, start almost competing with yourself, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to feel better. You noticeably start to feel it as well. You can you don't need a, a lot of different uh, runs. You can you can concentrate maybe on, on, on four or five different runs and you will find a marked improvement um, just by, you know, um, you know, progressing those runs, the difficulty of those runs. So, so getting in from cone to cone in in a slightly shorter time, or giving yourself more reps, that type of thing, or less rest period. Yeah. Um, keeping it quite simple, but um, th there's certainly ways to improve. Brilliant, um, Scott. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us on um, the Surrey FA Stoppage Time podcast, brought to you by Capital Content. Thanks to you all for listening. Um, thanks for everybody for taking part, and I'm sure we will see you on another podcast soon. Thank you for listening to another one of our Stoppage Time podcasts. To keep up to date with everything going on at Surrey FA, why not follow us on social media? You'll find us at Surrey FA on Twitter and Facebook, at Surrey County FA on Instagram, and Surrey FA TV on YouTube. Take care, and we'll be back soon with another Surrey FA Stoppage Time podcast.